This is Bissell Patterson. I am interviewing Jocelyn McDonald. She is a radical lesbian feminist poet who is going to perform at Wolfest this summer. Jocelyn, welcome to the program. Thank you. I wanted to begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about who you are, your career, how you got to where you are now, and then later on we can hear some of your poetry. Yeah, great. Well, I am a writer and a poet, and my work has always focused on somatic themes and body themes. And so when I was bisexual, um, a lot of my poems were about male violence and rape and because that was my, like, regular reality. I think most women who are heterosexual or bisexual have experiences that are on the spectrum of non-consent, whether they're ready to call that rape or whether they're referring to just negative experiences that they have with men violating their boundaries. So much of my work focused on the experiences within that spectrum. And now all I write is lesbian erotica and lesbian erotic poems and essays about being a lesbian. And I don't know if this is like a phase in my life just because I very recently came to this self-awareness and self-understanding of myself as a, as a lesbian. But that's a little bit about my journey. Can you talk about how becoming a lesbian has been a personal journey and about an awakening and, like you were saying, it's erotic. But it's also, for you, been a political journey. Can you talk about that? Mm. Well, yeah, I've always been a radical feminist ever since I was a child. I, I grew up evangelical, evangelical Christian, and so my family was super conservative about women's roles. However, what they said didn't line up with what they did. So the women were always very powerful figures, the majority of financial earnings, and not just my family, but my extended family. My attitude is always like, where are these men who are caretakers or dominant in any way like where are these men that are worthy of being in charge i don't see that i don't see that happening all i see is amazing powerful women who are being told to make themselves smaller and quieter i went from being a susan b anthony type of feminist like what we need is equal rights to like what the fuck is with the control of women's bodies and where does this come from it all stems from this biological underpinning of our bodies as exploitable, whether it's rape or free labor or motherhood, compulsory or having that motherhood denied because you're, you know, looked at as genetically or socially inferior. All of it comes back to the unfortunate coincidence of having been born with two X chromosomes. What is that? That's completely unjust. And so that, that was my original awakening. And I took a, I had a brief stint in college where I liberalized because I was reading Foucault and Judith Butler and constantly being told that I have to respect everyone's pronouns and inquire about everyone's identity lest I commit violence against them. And so I did get caught up in the mindset that the beliefs that I always held deep down were shameful and that they could not be spoken and that I should vocally advocate for things like sex as work 
for gender as choice or gender as a, you know, an identity rather than sex as a material reality. All of those things felt really wrong to be talking about vocally, but it was required to perform that as a liberal feminist. So I have all these conflicting internal feelings of like, that man in dress is not actually a woman, but I'm going to refer to them that way because I don't want to be a violent bigot. Earlier, we were talking about backlash, and you were saying Mm -hmm. that now that you are an out gender-critical lesbian poet, you're not really getting super bad backlash. But yet, when you were in college, it was that fear of getting backlash Mm -hmm. that kept you quiet about your opinions. Can you talk about when you decided to come out as a gender-critical feminist and what that looked like for you? Absolutely. I went to Mishfest and I spent time in, I had been in woman-only space before for a day or a few hours, but I had never been in woman-only space for a period of seven days. And I felt completely transformed by the experience. I felt so, I felt so stripped there, like all the dishonesty that I had been living with, the cognitive dissonance was exposed. And because women in community can hold differences of opinion and deep love in spite of vast, vastly different life experiences, I realized that my time living in this perpetual fear of what other people thought of my feminism or my activism and of me on a deep level was unfair to myself and to all other women. And one of the things that became so crystal clear to me during my week at Mishfest was that my sisters were vocal and had put themselves out there. You know, one of my sisters had made this gender critical video and had experienced such backlash because of her involvement in the video and then her tangential relationship to people who were known to be gender critical. And I thought, wow, you're so brave. And I said to her, you are so brave. Thank you for doing this for all women. And she said, yeah, I wish more women would do this because it sucks to be alone in this. And I just realized, like, pretty much then, like, I have to be as open and out as possible. I can never mince my words again. I have to be as transparent as possible about what my politics are because I love my sister and I'm not going to leave her behind. You know, that awakening took a little bit of time. I had to find my voice, but I think it's possible to be gender critical and speak out against systemic nature of gender ideology and how it adversely affects women and girls and trans people, because this is violence on a grand scale against gender nonconforming people and, and people who feel outside of traditional gender roles. There is a way to talk about all of this stuff and just bring it back to analysis in in using critical terminology while being very compassionate toward individual people's lives. And when you're grounded in the knowledge that you genuinely love everybody in their individual struggle, then it's easy to find a way to talk about the issues that are so harmful to all while naming specific agents who are dangerous and 
the word devilish pops to mind because of my <laughs> it's possible to speak about systems that are disconnected from individuals who are not bad people right and not and not wrong people or or stupid people or brainwashed people mm-hmm. but also being able to name the psychos who are out there putting women and girls in genuine danger yeah. and who are narcissists and who are, you know, like making the world a worse place for women. It's possible to find a way to say all these things. And there is backlash when you speak this truth. But the other thing that there is, which is way more important to me than being called, you know, a vagina fetishist or a turf or a disgusting bigot, that when you find your voice, even for even when people disagree with you, women see that for the first time it's okay to just be a hag, to be a witch, to to live in your full self, no matter how much society hates you and tells you that you're a garbage person. Something that women so desperately need to yeah. see that it is possible yeah. to be disliked. Yeah. Oh, your words are so powerful. Which brings me to, could you share a couple of poems with us? And are these poems that you are going to recite at Wolfsaw? Yeah, let me pull up my poems. The other thing I'll say, uh, like kind of along the same lines as the question about like my coming out journey as, as a gender critical lesbian feminist, is that once I was finally fully occupying the position of the bad feminist that your that your gender studies professor warned you about is that I feel so free. I feel so happy. I feel like I'm not lying anymore. And that But nobody's stalking you. No one's stalking you and yeah. taking pictures of you and putting them up online and saying that you're a hateful bigot and a transphobic piece of shit. That's not happening to your knowledge. No, and so I, that makes a huge difference for sure. It does. So maybe it's not happening. I love what you're saying about love and um, mm-hmm. how it does feel good internally for a woman to finally speak her power and her truth in all realms of patriarchy, how she sees yeah. fit. She's in charge of herself, and there's an inherent reward in that an internal reward in that that is more powerful and and feels better to me than continuing to be afraid and of being disliked, of being hated, of being targeted, you know, all the things that have happened to me and other women. I'm not the only one. (laughs) I'm like Mm -hmm. the Sheila Jeffries of Madison because I interviewed Sheila Jeffries on the Mm
sights to my thighs. And so the only pronoun fitting is we, us, ours. I say her. It's preferred by her. But my hip friends say they anyway, as if menswear seared off 35 years of that rare female body underneath, as if I were straight again, or as straight as I let my mom think, with this person, the one who I daydream about tasting, wake nights so I have more time to savor the memory of her orange juice acidity. And what about me, so easily called she? I'm not quite they with my je ne sais queer, some ineffable femininity I carry, even when I quit wearing eyeliner, stop saying I'm sorry. See, words matter, so say what these pronouns really mean. I am more woman than her. She is more dyke than me. Thank you. Right on. So is there strong lesbian feminist presence at Wolffest? Can you talk a little bit about the fest? So the first Wolffest was very lesbian-focused in my experience, but I think that might have been because I traveled there with lesbians and camped with lesbians and led a lesbian workshop about political lesbian as a concept and historical movement. And because I attended a talk by Max Dashu, which was all about the sacred feminine. And so I had a very lesbian experience at, at Wolfsburg. Yeah, it was political. It was flirty. It was embodied. It was great. And I think that one of the things that I've heard online is a lot of criticisms that Wolf is not lesbian focused because not enough of the organizers are lesbians, which is to me really lesbophobic and misogynist because there are lesbians on the board of Wolf and there are lesbians who organize Wolf Fest. So it's kind of like, who are you calling not a lesbian? Who are you calling not gay enough? Like, does a woman have to be gay married? Does a woman have to be like, in the middle of eating a pussy for you to believe that she's a dyke? Like, what? Like, what? What do you mean she's not gay? Like, that's what queers do to us. That's what fucking. That's what fucking queers do to us. You know, like you're not really the thing that you say you are. And that's what religious traits do to us. You're not really the thing that yeah, you but say that you are. You just out of the base to them, which is so ironic. <laughs> Women who have been had partnered in the past or who have been bisexual or are bisexual, and it is so harmful to say that those women are not lesbian now. And because any woman can be a lesbian, you know, any woman can be a lesbian. And we need to create a lesbian no man's land for healing and sisterhood and arrows. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get accused of not being a real lesbian by other lesbians? Oh, my God, all the time. When I was young, whenever I, when I was bisexual and had relationships with women, all the time they would say, you're not really bisexual, you're actually het, and you don't really like me, and you don't really like the sex we're having. That was when I was bi. Okay, and so then now I had... You know, I had religious people telling me that I'm not really lesbian, that I'm going through a phase, that I'm just doing this to hurt my mother. And I have 
you know, now I have queers saying, like, you're not really a lesbian if you don't accept that trans women are women and that they're also lesbians. And right. it's like, you know what? I actually don't position identity as more valuable than material reality. You can tell me that my you can well, tell me that my identity is illegitimate. I don't even have to identify as a lesbian, right? Because my life is lesbian. I only right. talk to women. I only am in community with women. I only fuck women, and I only lust after women. So, like to me, the material reality is very lesbian centered and lesbian focused, and so it doesn't matter if I yeah, it doesn't matter how I what I name myself and what other people name me. I'm not afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, Lesbianism as a verb, as an action, as a way yeah. of, of living. As a way and of having being. experiences yeah. in, the, in the material world. Yeah, and that that's awesome. You know, that can't be taken away by anyone based on a label, you know, based on a descriptor term that they can use against us. And so... Mm-hmm. Awesome. You're such an empowered, like full fully in your body woman. It's <laughs> it's and, and how 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 do other women do our sisters get there? How do we encourage other women to fully become themselves, go to Wolfest, go to other women only spaces? How do we get them there? Because I see so many out in the patriarchy all the time that I'm thinking I'd like to invite her to this women-only weekend, I know, and I can imagine her there. I can see her really enjoying this. But the second I think of approaching her and actually asking if she'd like to go to a women-only retreat, you know, I, I hesitate because for so many women, it's just this really foreign concept, and, and they immediately put up resistance. At least that's what I've experienced in my oh, yeah. actual my heterosexual sisters who are living full on, you know, in the patriarchy that I see at my coworkers, my friends that I've had in Madison for a really long time. How, how do we awaken that inside of your everyday woman who you know is a goddess, but she, she doesn't know it? Well, no woman wants to be a man hater and no woman wants to be disliked or mean. And so there is so much resistance to woman-only space because women think that it's exclusionary. They don't want to be, they want gender equality to mean there is parity between the sexes. They don't have an analysis that we can never have gender equality if we don't first have female liberation. And in fact, it's an end to gender entirely. But my tactic for creating woman-only space, which I do all the time. My home has become a, you know, lesbian separatist party zone, as well as a hostel for women traveling, you know, from all over the world. Yeah, wherever I go, I convert queers to being actual lesbians. And the way I do it is by showing women how fucking fun it is to be around other women. You know, like, it's a party. It's a good time. It's, it's the feeling of being free, of being unwatched. But you yeah, know, you're think, watched by your sisters, which is exciting. And but you're not, you're not surveilled. Not, you're not. Yeah, under, no, you're not surveilled. It's not like yeah. a male gaze. Uh huh. You're not under his watchful eye. Right. 
I always ask women critical questions, you know, when they say that, when they say these things, when they butt up against woman-only space or lesbian separatism with um, critiques about, you know, being exclusionary or not wanting to be mean, I just always ask them critical questions like, why, why do you think that you're not entitled to turn off the patriarchy for one weekend? Why do you think that it's so scary for men that you would propose such a weekend. You know, is there something bigger going on when a man feels threatened, that his personal liberty is being threatened or his bodily autonomy is being threatened when you want to get away with your girlfriend? Is there something bigger going on? I try to think about the individual and and their learning style and their communication style. So some women need to be shown a book, such as Adrienne Rich's Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence. And that is a gateway drug. Let me tell you, so many women have been converted by that book. And that was one of the, or that essay. Reading that essay in college completely redefined my worldview and paradigm and was one of the biggest things, other than just like eating pussy, that um, made me a lesbian. God, I realize I talk a lot about eating pussy on this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Got to think about what a woman needs. Like, does she need a book? Does she need a poem? Does she need um, a party? Like, how do you reach a woman on an emotional and intellectual level to, to show her how much her worth is, how much she should value herself and her right to bodily autonomy and freedom from the male gaze and freedom from sexualization. And and the other thing I would say is so often, even lesbians are skeptical of woman-only space, especially if they think that it's not going to be lesbian-focused enough. And let's consider why that is. There are so many heterosexual and bisexual women who bring up their interactions with the men in their life. They not all men. They... You know, they they just, like, are so, their paradigm is not lesbian separatist, and so they forget and, and reintroduce the absent reference, the male, who's not even there. Mm-hmm. So of course, lesbians are skeptical of woman-only space. Whenever there's heterosexual women that would bring this um, dude energy in, but mm-hmm. you can't change the conversation if you're not at the table. And when lesbians come into woman-only space fully occupying their radical dykeness, they take up that space and they can't be made smaller by, you know, the petty insecurities of heterosexual women who are still focused on appealing to and appeasing to men. Mm -hmm. So... You know, women who, like, have a problem with Wolfest not being gay enough, I would just say, like, come and make it gay. Come, <laughs> come and come and come. Like, it, just, oh. it, 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 seems like, it seems like everything is set up so that we will limit ourselves in women-only space as opposed to expanding so ourselves. And I want to talk about recently I went to the Reformed Congregation of the Goddess International hmm. Spring Gathering. For a weekend in Wisconsin, and it was women-only space, and the heterosexual women there didn't talk about their men. They needed a break, mm. I think. 
You know what I mean? They, because yeah. the imagery that's used in the Baptist church is female. And so mm-hmm. you can't help. No matter who you're with on the outside of this bubble, this magic bubble that gets created in the woods of Wisconsin, it's so female-centric and focused that you forget about any you just you're just not in that you're in sacred female space with female it's imagery awesome. and so whatever however you identify hetero bi lesbian i mean the l word was definitely big and center at this gathering but just femaleness was big and central to this gathering and it just yeah. made everything else fall away and so I encourage women to just to gather in whatever capacity. Like, I know it's not going to be as empowering necessarily if you're, like, gathering under a traditional banner, a Tupperware party, or exchanging recipes in the kitchen and, you know, um, more traditional Avon parties, like makeup parties and things of the past, I, I, Mary Kay parties, things like that, which are also women-focused and usually women-only spaces. I mean, um, I'm saying that whatever the reason, gather with your sisters and uh, and plant those seeds. Plant them at Wolf Fest. Plant them at, you know, the goddess gatherings in your local area or whatever women-only things are going on in your local area. And, yeah, um, yeah. so dare. Dare to go into those women-only spaces no matter what you've heard about them. Um, because uh, they have yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is so true. So Jocelyn, um, we we heard one of your poems. We talked about Wolf Fest. We heard some of your coming out stories. Is there anything else you would like to share with your sisters who are largely lesbian feminists and radical feminists listening to WLRN? in this program about lesbians and lesbian relationships? Yeah, I think that the one thing that I want, the other thing I want to offer is an unpopular opinion. Hashtag unpopular opinion. Uh, Radical feminists and lesbian feminists, like all groups, can get stuck into a mindset of ideological purity and cultish thinking where we all hold on to the value that we that we all agree on what are very polarizing issues like butch fam or kink or um you know who's a real lesbian and who's a patriarchal a patriarchal loyalist or a handmaiden and i think that these are really toxic patterns to fall into because it scares women it makes women afraid to speak or think for themselves and you know it's um it's not helpful to sexual personal or movement liberation to have the same ideas and and to work on maintaining political purity and so one of the things that i experience in lesbian community because so much of our lesbian community happens online because it has to because you know our spaces have been destroyed and our culture has been erased 
and we're told, you know, that we, if we even identify as lesbians, that we're outmoded and backwards. I see women getting into vicious fights with one another when they disagree about these issues or not speaking their mind for fear of being ostracized. And if we, just as we were saying before, women are constantly told under patriarchy to be smaller, to take up less space. We stand in the way of our own liberation by, by falling into that pattern among ourselves, by kicking each other out and by silencing each other and by focusing on each other's political impurity rather than society's hatred of us. And when we keep our energy focused on male violence and heterosexual or heteronormativity and lesbophobia from outside the community, when we focus it's on really the, what I'm external, to say, yeah. the external enemy, which is male violence, male perpetrated heteronormativity, when mm-hmm. instead of on our sisters and how pure they are in the radical feminist or lesbian feminist ideologies and ideas and whatnot, and we just focus in, especially in our women-only spaces, on the love that we feel for one another mm-hmm. that's beyond words you know, and beyond arguments and discussions. If we can, yeah, if and we can keep our arguments and our discussions focused on the male violence, that I think is totally. going to be powerful. And here's what I'll offer anecdotally. When I was at Wolfest last year, I was reading some poems. I think I read a poem about, like, non-monogamy and a situation where I was in a relationship with a woman who was married and poly. And I read another poem about, um, like, having, like, a, a raunchy poem about, about being fucked on a bathroom floor. And I saw some women's eyeballs just, like, <laughs> shoot up to their foreheads. And I heard, you know, some tut-tuts from the audience and some, you know, how, how dare she say this. And um, I'm not afraid of, you know, people hating my work. I, like... I don't need to be, um, I know, I know my audience is limited, but, but I think that, you know, what's going on there is this fear that, um, that lesbians will be compromised if we don't have the same experiences of our sexuality or in our way of expressing it. And so that locks especially young lesbians into this fear that they're not going to be good enough and not going to be right in their lesbianism and they have to follow the advice of um, figureheads who have been in lesbian feminism longer and are thought to have like the last word on all these things and in actuality like we have a huge diversity of opinions and lived experiences and that's what makes women so radical um you know, is that we can hold these different life experiences and, and like, the, the value of woman-only space is not in the sameness of our experiences or the similarity of our thinking. It's the opposite. It's in the diversity of experience and the diversity of opinion mm-hmm. when we're able to honor and cherish and celebrate the fucking 
huge diversity of experience. The freaks, the, like, outsiders, and love them for that um, mm-hmm. derivation from, from, like, you know, heteronormativity or, um, or whatever. Like, it's so important to, to be able to say, like, yeah, I disagree with you and I still love you. And you're so my sister. And and um, what you're describing, I feel, was embodied in Mistfest because oh my god, it's the best thing about Mistfest. Gathered, you have the freak tribe that would camp over here, and you you didn't want to go tromping through the woods there late at night because you might not really be getting along with those women at that time. Right, and then you have the main BDSM, whatever, you know. You had the main stage uh-huh. where everybody, everyone gathered. All the tribes were able to gather in the larger city. I mean, it was like a city with neighborhoods. It really is. It's a city of women. And totally, yeah. it's a city of women with its own <laughs> neighborhoods and subcultures. And when you bring that many women together, that is the joy. You're interacting with and holding their difference such- in love and celebration rather than in you know, this narrow definition of what a liberated woman looks like or what womanhood is. I mean it's it's fucking what it's fucking what patriarchy does to us, you know? We don't yeah. we don't like need to make ourselves smaller. We need to be expansive and and let go completely of scarcity or or yeah, restriction yeah. and, and definition. Amplify. Uh-huh. Amp it up. It's yes, hard to do, it though, it we lost Misfest. We lost I know. that gathering. It's not over, so so, we're coming back. so epic. And dare I say that a space like that is the seed for matriarchy, which is what this planet needs in order mm-hmm. for us to reverse huge patriarchal trends in our material reality that are mm-hmm. destroying our resource bases like clean air and clean water. Um, and, so true. And so the seeds of matriarchy must be planted. They have to be planted, and it's a joy to do it. That's what I want everyone to understand. I want everyone to understand that, that it's good for everyone, for women to gather away from men. It's not so harmful true. towards anyone, really. I mean, it's harmful towards male violence. But male uh-huh. violence is in itself harmful. We need to be right. harmful against male violence. You know? Right. Well, society is male separatist. To that. Uh-huh. Huh? Yes. The larger society is male separatist. I mean, our normal, the, the normal paradigm is male separatism. So women are excluded from public space, from male institutions. Women are, you know, have their culture erased and, and suppressed. And so we, like, we live in a male separatist society. And what, what men need for their own liberation is for women to be able to identify and, and separate and, you know, hold boundaries. Like, men who are sad that they're locked into toxic masculinity and men who are, like, always complaining about these things like rape in prisons or the high suicide rate for men, like all of these things that um, men identify as their specific problems are 
patriarchy's fault and not women's fault. And so they are benefited by women organizing in our own behalf. Like all people benefit right. when women and have separate things. I agree. And, you know, all of us suckle at a woman's breast when we're born. And so to revere the female and put her up as the source of life for human beings on the planet is beneficial to everyone. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, the not all men are like that thing is really true on an individual level. And I have met men, and I'm not apologizing for men here. Don't get me wrong. But I have met men who are extremely compassionate about women. They're not complaining about how the patriarchy has hurt them. They actually can see how the patriarchy has targeted and harmed women, and they're going to be allies to us and use their male privilege to help the feminist movement, you know? And I want men to get to that place, all of the men who really aren't the perpetrators of this system of male violence. Those yeah. men. And it's really helpful when men support women-only space financially and physically. You know, when when men um, take care of children so women can be in women-only space. When men donate money to make women-only space happen. When men take on um, emotional or unpaid labor to facilitate women's women's travel, women's you know, eating and um, food and, you know, like, I'm sure that none of the people who emptied the porta-potties at Mishfest thought of themselves as gender heroes for facilitating women-only space. But when, like, when men are on the land to empty the porta-potties, like, this is a way that women are freed up to continue to um, build culture and community. Like it's mm-hmm. great when men materially support women. And and if you want to be a real feminist ally, if you if you're a man that like wants to do your part for the feminist movement, what that should look like is stepping back, getting out of the way, and contributing your energy, effort, intellect, and emotional resources to getting women to organize and helping women to take space. Jocelyn, you are a profound and brilliant thinker and writer, and you're a young woman. It's How old are you? You're like 31, 32? I just turned 30 on March 29th. 30. Oh, so beautiful. I'm so excited. You're doing powerful, amazing work in the world, and um, I just want to thank you for, for being on our program.